y'all. We're back. Uh, Beers and Buckets. I know we took a little bit of time off. Connor got the COVID and has uh, caused us to skip a week. And uh, kind of in the meantime, wanted to do something that I've seen a ton on the football side, but haven't really seen as much on the basketball side. Let's talk about conference realignment. So I brought in, uh, he's a, he's been on the, on the pod before, was on our, uh, on our Selection Sunday show. Uh, Cam Lemons Debro, he does a lot of stuff for Wake Forest. Um, good, good follow on Twitter just in general if you're if you're looking for that. Um, but yeah, Cam, you wanna give I guess any other color on the intro there, and then we can get into it. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I pretty much Wake Forest is my my bread and butter. I try to handle a lot of other stuff ACC wise or nationally if it comes across my plate. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Word. Well, uh, like I said, you've done a bunch of stuff on this. Uh, I know I've been following it closely. Had a great uh, episode of Inside the Forest, which is your Wake Forest podcast that you've been doing uh, about it, kind of giving some objective takes, but also giving a little bit of your personal uh, feelings on the on the issue. But just kind of, I guess, just to start off, like how... Would you rather do how you feel about it or how it will affect college basketball first? Let's do how you feel about it. What's your, just your kind of overall thoughts on the whole, this whole conference realignment? <laughs> I mean, like as like a writer, I guess it's fun a little bit. You're constantly chasing, you're constantly just chasing like a story. You're constantly chasing, you know, what's going on every single day. And I think that part of it is really, really fun because you start really getting into the sense of like, which of your connects are actually talking to the right people and are you talking to the right people and all stuff. And I think that's a really interesting part of this, but I think as a fan, it sucks. Like it just, it, it sucks. The fact that I have to sit here and refresh five to six different people's uh, like Twitter feeds or message boards constantly, like if they're putting stuff on message boards, constantly being like, okay, like what's next? Like, is this next? Is this next? Like what's going on here? Because there's so much information out, you don't know what's next. No one's really ever going to give a straight answer until the dotted line has pretty much been signed already. And I think that part of it really sucks from just a stress standpoint. Like, at least from the sense of college football, we're seven weeks away from college football. We should all be writing stuff of, like, being angry about who's made first team Pac-12. We should be arguing about, you know, why is Illinois not going to make a bowl this year or what's going on in the sec or what's going on in the ACC. that's what we should be focusing on on right now and i know change is weird and like this is stuff that's eventually going to happen anyways but it's just, it just doesn't sit well when this is what's happening in july it's supposed to be the period of us really getting these previews out and everything it's just and it just sucks and then from you know on the fields there on the court standpoint it's it feels like stuff is being just thrown away like i had my own sort of I like takes of like, you know, like I thought like the ACC is doing their schedule, uh, their scheduling for 2023 to 2026, you know, like Wake isn't playing NC State. You know, that's one of the longest running rivalry games in history. You know, it sucks, but they're still going to play NC State the next three years, you know, and you can kind of get around that for the next couple of years after that. But like, no one cares about if, say, in a fictional realignment space, no one really cares about a UCLA Florida State matchup. Like, sure, I guess, I guess some people will turn on TV, but like, I don't like that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to Florida State fans. It doesn't mean anything to UCLA fans. It's just like, oh, cool. Like, it's fun in a bowl, but it's like, is that my now conference member? Like, we, yeah. the jokes are always Rutgers playing USC. Like, <laughs> that sucks. Like, I, don't, I have no interest in watching that. And I'm a sicko. 
I will sit here and watch. I can remember the UCLA Washington State game in twenty in twenty nineteen where UCLA came back for like it's like a thirty point deficit. And I sat there glued to my television and it meant something because it was just like to me, because being a sick, I was like, Oh, this is really fun. But like that's my choice. Like I'm allowed to make that choice of watching terrible football. I'm allowed to sit there on a Tuesday afternoon and be like, you know what? Albany is playing Stone Stony Brook right now. I'm watching that. That's like my, that's my choice, and I don't think that it's necessarily a good thing that people are kind of being essentially told, hey, in a few in a few years, you're essentially going to have to watch these sixty teams. Like that doesn't sit right. Let's like let me make my choice of what I want to watch versus you telling me this is what you're going to watch. And I think that just that just sucks. Yeah, and I think I think too it it's definitely the case in football, but even more so the case in basketball to kind of get into that is part of the appeal of the NCAA tournament and just basketball in general, even more so compared to football is the ability for a team to beat another team on any given night and football there it's the talent disparity is so big, especially between the like top elite of the elite, like who would be considered, is, are you a blue blood in football? Is that or is that just a basketball term? I don't know. Whatever, whatever, a, like the football equivalent of, of a blue blood is those the Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, like the elite of the elite. You play; they play a team from even outside the G five. They're going to win ninety nine times out of a hundred. But in basketball, that's not the case. You see upsets all the time, and this seems like that it will only further like cause a a gap to that gap to grow between the like you said like the 60 teams that are getting the most money from on the football side and just kind of in general from the TV deals and those teams in the MEAC or the SWAC or just like the random team that gets essentially an automatic qualifier to a to an NCAA tournament which just kind of diminishes the the joy of college basketball a little bit i think yeah and like that's and like that sucks because i I think a lot of this is we don't necessarily know what's happening with basketball we're kind of just being told what's happening because of football and you know like i think the ultimate idea of it of all of this is so that the top 50 60 or so programs break off into their own sort of league and leave the ncaa behind but the ncaa owns the rights to march madness so, you know, what happens there, I don't know. Like, are they just going to be a field of 64 of the exact same teams? Are you going to be try to play, I'm thinking of like an ABA, NBA sort of like like agreement where, you know, some of your teams can come up and play against the big boys. Like, that's weird because I don't, this just hasn't been a lot of stuff thrown out there, like of what's going to happen to like a to basketball. And, I, and I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's the right answer. I mean, as a gambler, I think it's going to be, terrible if you have someone saying like oh yeah cool i'm having ucla go cross country on a wednesday to play illinois yeah no that's probably not going to work out in ucla's favor just going to let you know that right now and then has to fly (laughs) all the way back across the country to play some to play usc like on saturday the yeah i didn't even think about the rest times and the traveling yeah it it doesn't make any sense from like a player's perspective I, i remember one of the quotes people um, throughout, uh, an, an AD had said, um, off the record, said to a reporter, was just like, don't ever talk to me about player welfare, welfare ever again. 
And it makes sense yeah. because these kids are already missing class. They're already going through all the motions of doing this just to go to like if Wake's playing Florida State, they're all, they're they're leaving Tuesday morning to go really Monday night to get down there. Walk around, shoot around Tuesday, probably won't get back till Wednesday. So they're missing two, three days of class. Now I gotta travel across the country to do that? No. No shot. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and it's especially frustrating, like you said, because this is essentially strictly a football decision. All of these basketball, I'm sure, is being taken into consideration. Like UCLA, I'm sure part of the appeal there is you get the like historical aspect of UCLA into the conference. But the main reason is to monopolize the LA market for college football. And yeah, right. for, for basketball, I mean, and not even to mention all of the quote-unquote non-revenue sports that are further down from basketball. Just like how this essentially only negatively affects them without really that being a consideration at all. I mean, it's it's sad whenever you have the bar has been even lowered on a, like, don't ever talk to me about player welfare again. And the bar was already not high for college sports caring about the welfare of the student-athlete. Yeah, on on welfare, just as sad that it is being made with, you know, 85 kids. Well, I mean, it's not even the kids that are the ones in consideration, but football team is an 85-man team, and you have them essentially being the focus and that sport being the focus, and you're just affecting, you know, how – I don't even know the number of how many student-athletes there are like on a college campus at any given time, but you're affecting all of their lives, and like you said – the travel for games um, and and everything like that is just going to be even more problematic than it already is, and it's it's crazy to think that the. the- I, I think I'd have a better. I was saying like I, I feel like I'd have a better opinion on this if this was like the money was going straight, like the extra revenue was going straight to the students, or yeah. straight to the student athletes, like. I, I think that's the biggest issue that I have on a lot of this is like we're talking about, you know, the difference in 50, 60, 70 million dollars, which don't get me wrong, it's it is a large sum of money. But none of the kids are seeing that. Like not like the, the tennis team isn't seeing that coming. Even the football team isn't seeing 50, 60, like they're not getting that in their pockets. Like when if you say the NFL is getting this huge TV deal, that means the owners are paying their or, or the salary cap's gonna go up. More guys are going to make more money. Well, that's and just the, what's going to happen and there. There's a like this. There's a revenue sharing. More money. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't you don't get more money if you're a student athlete. You don't your stipend doesn't go up. Your you don't you don't get paid anyways. Like besides your stipend, and so you, this is this doesn't help you. Like you're just saying, oh, I'm going to take the brunt of more stuff like this for your athletic director, for your president, for the Lord for. Billable hours are always undefeated. Don't you worry about that. Those those these lawyers have been working around the clock, and a lot of vacations have been getting paid for because of this. Um, but like this, with this entire idea of like, oh, we need to make this extra $50, 60000000 million, you're wanting to make it for yourself. You're not wanting to make it for your student athlete. There's not, nothing about this is about the student athlete. It's about you wanting to make more money. And like that's that's my biggest issue with a lot of this is you're making that money for you, and it doesn't help you like if you're a team that's been struggling on the recruiting trail already you having 50 60 million more dollars isn't helping you that's not helping you like co- like fi- finding a coach 
sure, you can go buy whatever coach you want. Coaching's a crapshoot. We've seen that in every sport. There have been so many hires across the spectrum that have been like, you know what, this is a really good hire. I'm really, I'm really happy with this hire. And then four or five years down the road, you're like, this one just didn't work out. Yep. Like there's no formula of what makes an exactly good coach. And if anyone tells you that they're a liar, like I don't think anyone would necessarily thought across like the spectrum, like there's like we would have no idea what happens. Like this is a zero sum game though. Like some people are gonna lose. Like no matter what, if someone else is winning, someone is losing. And so because if you and someone if you and our team hired two awesome head coaches in the same say the same conference, both of you guys can't go undefeated. One of you guys has to start losing games. Yep. And, and so I'm just thinking where you're putting the money at. What are you, you're just putting more slides in your in in the athletic department? Are you just like like what's going on here? And I think that just kind of sucks <laughs> because it's just like there's no justification behind it besides oh yeah the, the powers that be just want more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean the like it's you talking about it being a zero sum game is like sure rising tide what raises all boats that's the saying but the when as that saying says like all of the boats are increasing the same and so your margin for improvement like sure if it was in a vacuum and you getting 60 million dollars would help a program grow but when the other teams are also getting that that there's no competitive advantage there if anything it's going to mean that the big schools are going to be able to even further like leverage that additional money to drive like additional gains and s- continue to separate themselves from the pack. Uh, yeah, it, it is, it, it's definitely a, a big unknown, but it seems like that almost everything yeah, in terms of I, the game. I think that's a, that's a, that's, yeah, I, I think that's a that's I think especially if you're saying you're gonna separate yourself from like not even just D one to D two, but like the whatever this super conference is or super conferences is, are and whatever's left over, if you're a Shaheen Holloway, for example, and you're at and you're just sitting here minding your own business at your own school, um those those kind of guys already get poached. Like if you do a good job at the lower level, you're already gonna pretty much assuming you know what like this has been a really great time having this this nice coach but the second someone offers him more money then we can't do anything about it now i'm thinking about you know current power five power six schools that you know if they get left out of this they're still paying their coaches a hefty salary still paying like millions of dollars and now i'm like they're still gonna lose out because another team is saying you know what i know he's making two three million dollars we can pay him eight right now just because we have the money and it's like that doesn't like that doesn't help any sort of period. That just that just means like okay, cool, sorry, like because you're a smaller school that you lose. And like that's not how college sports is supposed to work, you know? Yep. And and even on that too, it almost is a negative for the coach because if you go in and you are Shane Holloway and you get hired away somewhere, that leash that you have and the like the ramp that you have to get your program up to speed is going to be a whole lot shorter because just how they said, oh, like we have the money to hire him away, they're going to say. Well, if he's not doing anything in two years, let's get him out, get someone in here who can like do the job that is said with major air quotes around it. Let's get someone in that can do the job. And you're just going to continue to see these exorbitant buyouts get paid because the money is there and the coaching like carousel is going to get even faster, if nothing else. 
My biggest gripe in college sports is the fact that we hear all these schools saying like crying broke. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest example of that is like a Tennessee, for example. Yeah. Tennessee is a team that has been like, you know what, we're we're not we're not making as much money during the whole during the COVID season twenty twenty. Um we we saw like, oh yeah, like the SEC needed a bunch of money to like to pay off all their debts and everything and like make it make it actually not be in the red. And when you looked into like the financials for for Tennessee, it's like, well, no, of course you're not. Of course you're in the red, quote unquote. You're paying major buyouts for two separate coaches right now. Mm-hmm. Like that that gets worse as it as as it goes on. And you look at Tennessee, you look at an Auburn, you look at these teams that have all the money in the world right now, and they're still dealing with these enormous pressures because of the money. And it's like, does that does that get better when you are? paying more for coaches and if they're actually starting paying players that does that make it better probably not if you're dealing with unrealistic expectations right now it's gonna get worse yeah i don't mean to like make light of what is very serious in terms of gambling addiction but it's this it's a similar mindset of like you don't fix a gamble a gambling addict by giving him 10 10 times the amount of money that he has to like work with like that's just going to make him even more like willing to go out there yeah. and be risky. And that's exactly what you're doing with, with these schools. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I just don't, well, I get it from they want money, <laughs> but it's just yeah. to me, the fans that are thinking that you getting more money and being in these super conferences is going to fix your problems. It's not. No. They're just not going. It's just not going to do that. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> Since we've spent the last probably like 20 minutes kind of going in with all of the problems that this is uh, going to bring up, have you thought of or do you see any potential benefits to it, like where there actually are some positives? I'm trying to think. I One thing that I can think of is just you do get teams and there are a ton of downsides with the travel and everything like that, but you will get teams matching up against each other that have really never been able to play. So you get fan bases that are interacting that wouldn't have ever really interacted before. That can be a negative, but that, I guess if you're trying to look for a silver lining, that could be one that, that you use. I don't know. Yeah, no, and I and I do think there's some there's some good. I mean, while you know, I don't care about a necessarily a conference matchup between like Florida State and UCLA in football and basketball. I know one of the things that uh, Pete Thamel uh, threw out was that you know if the Pac-12 and, and ACC end up merging, partnership, whatever you want to call it, the idea of a in-season during the non-conference schedule, uh, like four-day tournament between Ooh. Big Twelve, between the, the Pac-12 and the ACC in basketball, I think that's a really cool idea. I think that's a super fun idea to say to say you know instead of us playing, I who does who does Wake play for their basketball schedule this year? Let's let's look that up real quick. Like if Wake if Wake is sitting here and not playing Charleston Southern for their their opening their opening game, and instead I'm saying oh yeah you know what cool like they get a couple games against Washington State. They get a couple games against, um, like a game Washington State, a game against UCLA, a game against Oregon, uh, Stanford. Like I think that's a lot better for a ratings because I think that it's a better product to put on the 
to put on there. B, for travel-wise, you can just have everyone in like a neutral location and so you don't have to worry about True. people traveling back and forth. But that's something that like is a positive because like you said, it brings a, a matchup that we haven't seen. And then, you know, for like we do with the ACC Big Ten matchup of, oh yeah, we get Duke versus Ohio State. I know we're getting that for the second time this year, but you know what? Fine, whatever. That's cool. I get Wake versus Wisconsin or I get yep. UNC versus Illinois, stuff like that. I think that's I think that's really fun to do that once a year in terms of like this is just a special non-conference this is its own spectacle and i think that's a really fun idea and then i and i, and I want to keep it there of like this is just a <laughs> once once a once a year sort of thing not every week you're going out to the west coast or east coast to like do that right and i think that's a really fun thing you get these weird wacky matches why we love bowl season for football it's not for basketball we like the NCAA tournament it's because you get these teams that you don't really know what they're going to play like against each other. And I think that's a really fun aspect of that. Yeah. I mean, um, it, I, and I think also like, you know, wall to wall, like, like, like day-to-day coverage of like being like, okay, cool. I don't do stuff on Saturdays or Sundays. That'd be really cool to be like, Oh, it's five o'clock on a, on a Sunday. Oh wow. Who's playing right now? It's oh, it's the, in, in November. Oh, it's a weird non-conference game. It's like Michigan TCU. I guess that'd be kind of fun. Maybe let's see that because it's a non-conference game. And it's just like one, spectacle thing versus it being like an every year thing and i think that's the i think the novelty of it is is a positive from it yeah there's definitely some some room for especially college basketball to capitalize on kind of that early season early season buzz because i feel like that's always one of the things that is like it seems like that ratings are really down for college basketball at the beginning a lot of it comes with non-conference schedules being weaker on average than conference games you're not getting those rivalries so being able to kind of space that out and have some i mean i hate to call them gimmicks but it's essentially a gimmick have like these kind of gimmicks that you're being able to to work in across more of the season just should in theory lead to more uh more engagement with the sport over a a longer stretch of time yeah and I, and I think that's that part is what's good. And like I said earlier, like I don't think fans want to be told this is what I want. This is what you're going to watch. I think having the ability to make that decision for ourselves and being like, hey, this is this weird ACC Pac-12 four-day tournament. Let's see if that works. Mm-hmm. Could it be better than this random weird um, OT in, in Jamaica? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> like... And I, but I think like having letting the fans be able to say like, hey, I'm watching this because I want to watch it, and that's compared against you know well, there could be that stuff that's happening in Jamaica. There's some happening in Bahamas and Maui and stuff like that. I think having those head to head is like okay, cool. Now then you let the fans decide what they want to watch. If they want to watch that, cool. We'll keep the idea. If you don't want to watch it, scrap it. You know, no, just like pigeonhole them into like this is what you're gonna have, and you have no say in this. Mm. Yeah. I don't think if there's any other like big positives and I mean, it, it's a, t- it's a tough thing to come up with. I feel like, cause it's a, like you said, we said a decision made wholly outside of the like basketball realm with just one sport in mind. Um, you have any other positives? I, I, I really struggle with it. <laughs> like I, I do, I do think actually I'll, I'll take that back. I do think eventually breaking away from the NCAA is like, like I, I think the NCAA needs to be reformed in some manner. 
Um, and I don't, I think it's past the, I think it's actually past the part of re like reforming it and past the part of there needs to be something new. So I think, you know, getting a kick in the ass of like, this is like, we need something new governing the body because you have a lot of stuff going on with like academic scandals, like recruiting violations that kind of just, we all just go, okay, that's not really going to matter. It's a laughing stock. It's like that teacher when you were in high, in like high school that was always getting really, really mad at, at like this one kid, but you know, they would never do anything about it. Right. And like, that's how I look at the NCAA is like, no matter, you can have like a smoking gun of like text messages and all these executives being like, yeah, I did this, my bad. And no one really cares because it's like, what are you going to do? We just saw you, and I'm not picking on UNC, but it's like, we saw you literally tell a school that made fake classes for their, for their athletes, like, ah, you're fine. Like the one thing the NCAA is supposed to be about is the, is like the student athlete. And you found concrete evidence to where it was like, oh no, they were just completely lying about all of this. And you just went, now nah, it's fine. Like, yeah. So I, I think that's a, that's a positive eventually is like, I think there needs to be a different governing body of the, of the schools in terms of college sports. Um, now, I don't know if necessarily that's a huge positive because I think the people that are going to run it next are possibly going to run it like a business. <laughs> and that's a lot of bad when it comes to non-revenue sports because they'll continue, they'll continue the, the cry broke and be like, oh, we can't afford, you can look at Stanford, like, oh, we can't afford these 11 sports even though we can just buy the Big Ten whenever we want to. Yeah. I don't think people really realize that. Stanford could just buy the Big Ten by accident. Yes. Like, they, they have no no grounds to say, oh, we need to cut 11 sports. They have enough money. They're like, but I, I think that's a, that's something is, you know, getting some sort of actual governance and having it to where things can be a bit more streamlined. And also people are afraid to actually not, people are afraid to bend the rules. Like right now you're essentially in a, in a way with the incentive way in every sport of like, what are you going to do? I look at NIL, for example, and I go, that's, I mean, I, and I talk to recruits all the time. And no one's really talking about NIL because what are you going to say? Like, A, you don't, you can't believe anything anyone says right now because why would you? But B, like there are kids that I know that have gotten quote unquote NIL deals to go sign places and everyone knows it, but it's like, it doesn't matter because what's, what's going to happen? What are you going to, what are you going to say about it? Yeah. Like the NCAA is too worried, too worried about someone helping or getting like 200 bucks for a kid to move versus <laughs> someone getting paid, you know, $2 million a year to go play X where or getting, or getting like a prep school paid for like, come on now. And it's that kind of stuff that not only are they worried about the wrong stuff a lot of times, but they're so backlogged in the cases that they're working that they have problems right now that they're dealing with from five years ago. So expecting a decision to come on any sort of NIL. Oh, this was, there's a bunch of like shady stuff happening here. Like that's going to happen probably well beyond when that kid is done with college. So like, who cares anyway? It just, it, yeah, it's a completely messed up system. Kind of back to the UNC point too. It wasn't just, they said, Oh no, you're fine. It's that they said, Oh, you should not have been able to do this, but we don't have any sort of grounds or rules to be able to actually enforce anything anyway. So we have to let you off. Like it wasn't that they were okay with it, which would have been one thing. It was, oh, we recognize that you did something wrong, but we are not equipped to be able to do anything about it. So you just get off scot-free. 
do you think on do you think on that like do you think it will end up because I assume like you said the NCAA will kind of break up at least from what it's like current uh, like structure is do you think it becomes each sport is like governs itself and that's how you kind of streamline it is by segmenting it or do you think it's a power five or like super conference and then the rest of it like how do you think that kind of goes I, I think it's a, I think it's a super I think it's a super conference czar. I think it's a super conference sort of czar because one of the big reasons why people want to break away is because your Alabamas, your UCLA's, your USC's, your Texas don't want to be told what to do scholarship wise by Nevada. They don't want to be told not what to do, even by like Oregon State, even yeah. by a Wake Forest, even by like schools like that. Yeah. They don't really want to be told that. But at least at the power five level, there's enough money coming in that they can justify saying, you know what, we're going to play with 95 scholarship players or we're going to play with 100 scholarship players in, in basketball. I mean, football. In basketball, you know, <laughs> instead of 13 scholarships, we can play with 15 or 16. You know, yeah. we, can, we can worry about things like that. And I think that is why I think like a super conference czar is the more likely thing is because while your Bamas and Georgias don't want to listen to your smaller schools, um, when you cut it down to maybe a 50 or 60 league team, you're still going to have to listen to some, some of the smaller schools. And that's just kind of it. Like you're never, I also want to like get out ahead of this whenever you're kind of worried about, at least as it stands right now from people that I've talked to, people that I've talked to about whatever the super conference or super conferences are going to look like. Anytime I hear the numbers like, Oh, this is going to be like a 32 team league or a 48 team league. I just automatically throw those in the trash can. <laughs> I think it's going to be well over. I think it's going to be well over 50 pushing 60. And I mean, I talk about this in, in football construct because that's what kind of makes more sense. And I, I need to, I can, I can need to look at what it looks like in basketball world, but like in football world, Northwestern and South Carolina have been like the same team for the last 30 years. Yep. They've been, they, I think there's like a, there's, I, I pulled the numbers and there was, I think South Carolina had six more wins over 30 years than Northwestern had. But like when you talk to different fan bases you think northwestern is like oh we were just a bunch of nerds that are just losers whatever in <laughs> south carolina is like we play in the vaunted sec east whatever it's like no like you, you guys are the same program if you go to a 32 or 40 team conference in football or basketball or whatever somebody's got to take those losses right someone's going to <laughs> it doesn't matter and so if you're say i don't know let's throw out someone nc state for example in basketball if you're NC State right now and you're like, yeah, I want to be in a in a 40-team league, but your opponents in, in basketball are going to be UNC, Duke, um, UCLA, probably a Michigan. Like, you you start counting down all these all these games, and it's just like in a football realm, I'm like, does anyone really want to be 3-9 and nine every year? No. Looking in basketball world, does anyone want to be like a 9-win basketball team every year? No. Right. And so that's why I think this ends up being sort of a like 50 plus 60 plus teams. And that's what I keep hearing from people that I talk to is because no one wants to, you can't sell that. You're not, you're not selling. Oh yeah, but we're making 50, 60 million more dollars each year being in this conference than we would be back in the old days. Fans don't care about that. Right. Fans do not care about how much money you're making. What they care about is, are you putting a good product out there on the field? Recruits don't care about how much more money you're making. They care about, am I able to play early and am I able to win? Yep. Those are now I'm able to go to go to the pros. You don't do that by saying that ask Vanderbilt how that's going for them in football right now. <laughs> yeah. It's not not going well. 
<laughs> no. Like, I mean, I look at, at Boston College right now in basketball. Ask them how that's going for them. It's not going well. Like, you know, they got a new coach and, you know, Earl Grant, I hope that he does well there. But that's that's the, the world you're living in is I think there ends up being this this bigger conference, but then it has to be like a czar, quote unquote, that look over those 60 or so schools because you, while you don't want to listen to the to the to the to the wakes, to the pits, to the Boston colleges, to the Vandys, you're going to need them in that conference because someone's got to take L's, man. And yes. I don't know if those schools are always going to be the one taking L's. We can see that by sports now, like it's very cyclical, but like. Imagine telling Florida State that they're going to be a, a three-win team for the next five years. That those fans are going to be gone by year two. <laughs> That's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to fly. I mean, uh, I know this would never happen, but because we talk about this with essentially every American sports league, but this is this is where it would be ideal to be able to have some sort of relegation promotion system where you know you gotta you gotta if you're one of those bottom five teams in that 60 team league, you got to really try to try and elevate yourself there. And because you're incentivized to be able to stay in that league. And I mean, it's like I said, it's the the money is always going to be the issue. Like no, no team that is in that 60 team league is ever going to agree. Oh yeah. Let's give me an opportunity to get knocked down like a a level and not make all this money. So that's where you're going to, definitely run into problems but i don't know something like that would be the an ideal situation because you get that those teams that are constantly and it also gives people like people that are fans of those teams that don't make whatever the in like super league ends up being it gives those teams a little bit of hope and saying all right like if we do keep balling out if you're like a boise state from what 15 years ago in football or um I mean, a North Dakota state, I guess, is a level down, but like someone like that, where it's like, if we can sustain success and prove a UCF, like if we can prove that we can, can sustain success enough and that we can play with the big boys consistently, that we get a shot at that and actually uh, kind of get, get bumped up. But like I said, I don't think that'll ever actually happen. No, and, and, I, and I think it's good. And I, and I think, yeah, I, I I would love relegation. I think the relegation idea is, I mean, Bill Connolly is someone that's been a huge proponent of it. Mm-hmm. I've been a huge proponent of it. I think it's it's smart because, like I said, you have you you have sports are are cyclical. Like, of course, you have your blue bloods that are that are you know pretty much always going to be there. There's always you know there's always years that they're going to fall off um, for like a year or two. I mean, it happens. I look at Clemson in football last year; they have one bad quote unquote year of ten wins. <laughs> I look at UNC honestly. Before their before UNC's final four run, that was like, oh yeah, that blue blood was wasn't good this year. Yeah. Um, and but you have like you have the cyclical nature. And I think the idea of having like those those being able to say, hey, Oregon State, you know, you're having a good two, you're having a good couple year run. Let's see how how well you can do up there. I think that I think that also adds to the whole intrigue of I talk about novelty. I think novelty is a really good idea, and I think it's really fun in like watching EPL. And, say, and seeing like these teams that have come up from the um, from not the top league and just saying like oh yeah cool they're actually they're actually hanging around a bit and saying like there's always teams that are just gonna get up get promoted and then you know the next year get sent right back down it happens <laughs> yeah but I think in like college football and like it's always fun to see those teams that are you know up there and you're like you know can you 
can you hang for a couple of years? And like, could Boise State have hung for a couple of years? Absolutely. Could, I mean, if you look at power five schools, like in basketball, like could Wake last year have, have if they, they probably would have gotten relegated a couple of years ago. <laughs> this, like it's called Sadly. Spade. During, during Danny Manning years, like they're not getting, they're getting relegated and they're staying. But, you know, this year they could have, they could have easily played their way up and that it's like, oh, cool. Hey, here's his Wake Forest team that just got promoted up. Steve Forbes has a really good job. I think that it does a very good job of promoting those lower schools because it's always there's always a new a new story to follow. It's always, hey, this this Steve Forbes guy, you know, he had a rough first year because of COVID and everything. His second year, he got that team up into the into the first into the Premier League. You know, what's going to happen with them now? Like, can he can he sustain that success? Are they going to are they going to be immediately relegated back? Are they going to be a middle of the table team? You know, what's going on there? And I think that is a really intriguing story for both a writing perspective and also for the fans being like, oh, hey, like we all have being this college sports fan is 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 being a fan of some wacky team. Like unless you're literally a, a Bama or Georgia or an LSU fan or something like that, your team is wacky. Like like cop like calling that spade a spade. Your team has done some dumb has done some dumb stuff that you're really not proud of in a game. Um Shout out Wake Forest scoring three points once. <laughs> um, and I think having giving people like newer people the ability to say, hey, there's this weird team. Like when I'm looking at EPO, I do. I'm like, I'm a Chelsea fan, but like, oh, I see some some newer teams. Like, oh, I haven't seen them before. I'll, I'll throw on a couple of games. I think that's really fun and, and gives people who are being exposed to college football that aren't necessarily regional because it's, I mean, if you're building the super conferences, you're taking the regionality out of it. You give them the ability to say, hey, here's this weird and wacky team I haven't seen before. They got promoted up. Why not watch them for a couple games? And that's how you build more fans, and that's how you build an actual brand of a sport versus it being like we're only going to promote these these um, teams. And I think that's that's why I love the, the relegation idea. I think I, I'm all aboard that. I mean, I think if you ask a casual fan, especially a fan in like the United States, oh, what do you, like what do you know about the Premier League? What can what do you remember about it from the last ten years? The number one thing they're going to say is Leicester City winning like with those super improbable odds. They'd gotten it wasn't the next year after they'd gotten promoted, but they'd gotten promoted the year before. This was only their second year in the in the Premier League, and they win. Like that is a story that will transcend way farther beyond something like the whole Chelsea Man City like Liverpool fighting for it this year like that kind of stuff happens every year but the yeah the novelty and the intrigue that you get from those teams yeah. getting relegated and promoted would just be super cool cool also, well that was like six years ago and that makes me feel really right <laughs> yeah that was what they got 2013 was when they won the that like the championship and then they won the premier league that was that was 15 16 that was the fifth yeah that was the 15 16 season yeah oh my gosh, uh, man. That. i was like wait Right. We were both still in college. <laughs> Welcome to college, and now it's just back to four out of five for Man City. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, no, one thing. I, so, think on the money side, from going back to an earlier point, it looks like that the NCAA's deal with CBS and Turner Sports ends. It was supposed to end in 2024, but they they, they extended it through 2032. So it'd be obviously we see with all this realignment stuff that contracts are made to be broken. Uh, so that's not exactly like written in stone that that would go through 2032. But I imagine with it being essentially like a billion dollar deal and 
it being the NCAA that is the one that would have to be like paying to get out of it. And they have no incentive to do that. Uh, considering that they would essentially being be like usurped by whatever comes next, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what goes because media rights and media deals are the bulk of the money that are, that is informing all of these decisions. Um, it'll be curious to see how that gets put into play once you kind of get the trickle down effect from, all right, football has kind of the dust has settled there. Where does that leave these other sports like basketball? Cool. Well, yeah, any, I, any, I was gonna say any final words? Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's a good final point to end on is the dates matter. Yes. There is a, there is a reason Oklahoma has <laughs> and Texas have not given a, a confirmed date as to when they're joining the SEC. There is a reason that USC and UCLA are waiting until 2024 to leave the Pac-12. Yep. There is a reason the ACC has not broken apart and the Pac-12 slash Big 12 haven't done whatever they need to do. Dates matter. Mm-hmm. And I know like it's contracts are made to be broken. No team wants to do anything without their rights. Regardless yep. if it's football, basketball, men's field hockey. I know that's not a real sport in the way I think, think it is at least. I don't think so. Um, like, those contracts matter because you're worth less to a conference and to a TV partner without your rights. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the NCAA has the rights to March Madness and all of this is a really big tell of, like, I don't think anything of this of like magnitude happens. Like I think when we were talking about super conference, everyone's like, Oh, I think it'll happen in you know the next couple of years or whatever. I am still a believer that none of this really implodes until 2032. And so are people that I talk to the amount of court fights people are looking to get into right now is zero. No one wants to go to court. No one ever wants to go to court. It has, it has astounded me how many people think they can get out of a contract. That's not how that works. <laughs> Well, contracts are contracts for a reason <laughs> and especially in this case like because because the the schools getting their rights back and getting out of those those contracts are something that they want to do they have an incentive to do that the ncaa opting to get out of this march madness contract is it's completely not in their best interest in the slightest so it's contracts are hard enough yeah. to get out when you want to get out of they're them gonna, they're gonna but, drag they're gonna drag that out of the it, it took Maryland two years almost to get out of the ACC. I don't think people remember that. That was a 21-month 20 month legal process to get out of that. And they still had to pay $30 million. Yeah, it's... Like, no one is wanting to get into legal fights right now. Everyone is just saying, you know what? Unless there is a, a brutal loophole that someone's lawyer just forgot about or everything just dissolves... This isn't nothing. This isn't worth a, a court fight right now. Like you, no. it, it's just not. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, Cam, I appreciate you coming on, get, talking us through this. Um, like I said, we've seen a ton of coverage on this from the football side because that's what's driving it. But hadn't really seen anything on the basketball side, so I appreciate you hopping on, uh, giving us some positives along with a lot of the negatives as well. Because uh, I think that's like nothing's ever as good or as bad as it seems. So being able to come up with a couple potential positives that we could get as college basketball fans uh, is 
is really nice. Um, but yeah, any anything else you want to plug before we before we get out of here? Um, no, no. I mean, I I really appreciate you having me on here. It was a lot of fun talking about this. I'm intrigued to see what basketball comes, and I'm hopeful that this weekend doesn't give any big news. I'm really hopeful that we're just in the holding period until August. All I'm hoping for. I just want to. I just want to be able to see some college football previews come out about who the fourth string linebacker is. That's going to make uh That's going to make a like a splash on the Wake Forest team this year. Like having that be the news for for once, rather than all this conference alignment stuff, will be will be much much appreciated. I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. All right, man. Well, uh, here, get throw your throw your Twitter handle out there, um, and then we can. People can can follow you if they want, and then we'll, like I said, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. If you ever want some some terrible tweets about college football, occasionally college basketball, um, tennis, or Formula One, uh, you can follow me at at Cam Lemons underscore. Uh, if you see Dakotas Debro, you are in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And yeah, uh, Cam does a bunch of work for twenty four seven, as well as Blogger So Dear on the Wake Forest side. So. I know uh, all of our listeners are just raring to to be big Deke fans uh, as I try and slowly <laughs> convert everyone to the Wake Forest fandom. So, uh, no, nah, really appreciate it. And um, we should be back. Actually, I don't know when Connor will be like getting this edited and thrown up there. So this will either come right before our next pod or after, whichever one. And just disregard the one that is wrong. Uh but yeah, thanks for thanks for listening, everyone. If you could throw us a rating <laughs> on throw us a rating on Spotify, give us a give us five stars there, or rating and review on Apple Podcasts would be great. Um, but until next time, uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. I know that was bad. Bye.